Hi, my name is Tyler Fornis, and I am the co-host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hunky here on the Voice Wrestling Podcasting Network. Every week, my co-host Fred Moreland and I discuss all the happenings of all elite wrestling and everything going on in the universe of Tony Khan. We talk about Dynamite, we talk about Rampage, and we will talk about Collision when the time comes as well, along with all the appearances outside of AEW from all the best talents in all elite wrestling. This is one of the more cohesive wrestling companies in the entire world, and we discuss every intricacy about it, including the unique booking of Tony Khan that is both a huge positive and a major detriment. Check us out every single Thursday here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc this podcast is a member of the voices of wrestling podcasting network visit voices of to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews columns opinions and updates across the world of wrestling to the highway in a brand new day Open the Voice Gate for January 24th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Join alongside, as always, Case Lowe. Case, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing okay. Very stressful week in my life, but not necessarily bad. Just a lot going on, and it's been hard to throw all of that into one week, but I, I, I'm managing it so far, and I, I say this to somebody who is ready to pack up their stuff and move across country, so I can't complain too much. Mike, how are you doing? You know, I am in kind of a zen like state 
at this point. Like we were talking like in our little pre-pro meeting, like I'm at a point where like I know that I have to come back to Greenville like at least once just because of selling my place like there's but it's unavoidable but like at a certain point you you get to it and it's like i can't break down this computer right because i'm recording on it right now so it's just like waiting and it's like having lists of things like today was the big vet day it would the champion needed to go in for his checkup because we were going to be out of state and yes he has a vet in fort worth but wanted to get everything taken care of and that was like one of those things where you're just like, all right, you kind of mentally prepare yourself going like, that's what I have locked out for that. And then just get on with it. But yeah, yeah. You know, I hit the road Sunday and you know, it's a two day drive, so it shouldn't be too bad, I think. And you know, you, you know me, I'll probably try to hit up every Bucky's I can because I am that person. Oh, as you should. And by the way, an all-time great pre-production meeting on this show. It's a shame. It's a shame nobody can hear it. We can't repeat the topics we talked about. Really good stuff on the ten minutes we were sitting on this call before we started recording. I, I hope the rest of the show is half as good as what we were talking about a few minutes ago. You, you know, it, it's something where it, I, I I don't like to tease the listeners too much, but so you get into a flow and you get into rhythm. There's a show I've been watching lately, case. That kind of like I find it to be one of the more fascinating things I've ever seen, and okay. that, that that I felt like our pre-production meeting kind of reminded me of a little. Is bit. it Milf Manor? What show are you referring to? No, 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 not checked on he. Uh, so there's this uh comedian named uh, Hiroshi Matsumoto. He's a famous comedian in Japan, and he's moved on to being a director a lot like uh, Case. This is probably not of your age range, but a lot like Takashi Katano. Who, who you probably know because of the New Japan, like, like the Katano Gundam, Paraso Gundam that like got them banned from Sumo Hall. But he's he's moved on to this, and he started this show called Documental, which is basically like Silent Library in a way, mixed with Taskmaster. But the rule is you get 10 comedians in a room for six hours, and you're trying to be the last person not to laugh. And it turns into like people like joining bits, leaving bits, and kind of like improvising. And, th- and I was kind of getting that vibe there that, you know, I, I already feel like that that good energy we had five minutes ago is carried on. So you're not missing out on too much, I guess. Do you want to know a show I'm I'm binging right now? What is it? Modern Family. And let me tell you, Mike, I'm six seasons deep into this rewatch. We as a society, like it obviously it won a gajillion Emmys. It's the most basic of the basis, basic mom core sitcom you know, you're the most basic person you have in your life loves this show. I think you and I and the people that listen to this podcast and the people that are typically searching for something a little bit greater in life, I think we have all deeply underrated how good this show is. Now, there's a point where it falls off a cliff, and I don't know what exactly that is. But again, I've completed five seasons of this show, and we're talking under five dud episodes. The consistency... Of a half-hour sitcom, 23 episodes, 24 episodes a season, it is remarkable so far. Yeah, and especially, like, you consider, like, I was in on Modern Family when it came out. Uh, I remember watching the pilot. Yeah, and I think, like, they just had, like, the casting that just let it really kind of just explode from there. And I think that that, like, and and then you'd bring people in, like, Fred Willard. and like Fred Willard's excellent. 
Yeah, and it's just like those kind of casting. You know what show is out right now that has the same vibe that uh, the lady friend hipped me on, and now it's on my Hulu, and I watch it every week when it hits, and it's it's real basic mom core sitcom. It's fantastic. I, I'm I'm hoping you say Abbott Elementary. Well, that I was already on, but this is a good this is a good compliment because it's on ABC too. It is Home Economics. I'm completely unfamiliar with this show. I I would always have it come on like on Hulu, like right after you finish watching Abbott's Elementary, it'll go on to like another ABC show, and I'd, I'd watch like the first like three minutes of it. And the cast, like, uh, I, I Topher try- Grace, Topher Grace, I'm sold. Yeah, no, Topher Grace and Topher Grace playing the the roles that Topher Grace should be playing in comedies, you know. And it's just like a half hour comedy that's just solid stuff, and it has very much that vibe of Modern Family. Uh, Shashir Zamata is hilarious on it too. So it's it, it's a it's a uh, half hour sitcom that I feel like it's not reinventing the wheel, but like from stuff that you get on broadcast TV, I think that that block with the uh, home economics and Abbott Elementary is like the strongest I feel like in a long time. Okay, great. Look, I. I care about the state of network comedies for whatever reason. I always want to be invested in them. And I, really, it's taken a nosedive since COVID where there's just been nothing on network television that I think is worth watching. I, I am sold on Topher Grace. I'm sending this to the lady in my life. This seems like something we could get into. Uh, thank you for this, Rick. Are you watching that 90s show on Netflix? No, I, I, I see that pop up. You know what I did watch today, though? Speaking of revivals. Yes, go ahead. You, you know what 80s sitcom is really near and dear to my heart, Case? It, it's it's well before your time, and it, it's an artifact. But you know what sitcom I love? And Joe Lanza loves this one, too. Mm, okay, it's uh, I 80s sitcom I don't know. Night Court. Ah, okay. I, th- that's interesting you said that because I saw a bunch of the commercials over the weekend when I was watching football, yeah. and it looked horrific. I, I could not fathom sitting down and watching that. I gave, so the first two episodes are up, and I gave it a good solid shot uh, as Melissa Roush from Big Bang Theory. She's fine. Uh, John Loyerquette, one, one of the greatest comedic actors of our time. Like, I, he, he is someone that I feel like, it, 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 in a lo- in a way that for the film nerds out there, John Cazaley, he is the John Cazaley of sitcoms. I feel like because the he in the eighties case, he won uh, best actor in a comedy for Dan Fielding like five years in a row when it was not when it was not done like way before like you would have it with Modern Family. Like he did it, and he pulled himself out of consideration like after he won it like the fifth time. He's like, guys, I can't do it. He's good on the show. It's just very much like. Night Court worked in the zaniness that you could do and at a certain time. And it's not like that. It was like culturally insensitive. It's just like a, a certain zaniness on network TV was inherent that kind of has gone away. But it, it, it's gone back a little bit of like your modern families like this. Just like the idea of just the 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 weirdness of uh, everyday life, but cranked up like 10 percent. And that's what made Night Court really great, along with Dan Fielding. You you can't really replicate that same vibe in 2023, I feel like. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. Uh, my, my review on that 90s show, before we start talking about stuff that people care about, that 90s show, not a good show, but a show that's good to have on. It's Every episode has given me one mid-sized laugh, and that's really all I'm looking for there. 
I feel like it, it was interesting because I saw that it was the parents coming back on this. It's like, of course, they're getting in on this. And and then I, like, I was thinking well, about Kurt, like, Kurt Wood Smith seems delighted that the show was back on the air. I, I think Kurt, I'm delighted that Kurt Ward Smith is still with us and has a crossover to that, uh, to the next plane, you know, like, I no. It, it, if you look at him and the pilot of that 70s show and the, and him and the pilot of that 90s show, not a huge difference. And good for him. He's almost 80. He turns 80 this year. And that's that, that 70s show was not like, that was like early 2000s too. Like that, yeah, that was that 70 show is another one. I mean, that's a really good show there. There's some of that 70 show stuff that I just I, I put in my five star comedy pantheon. And that 90s show is the ultimate form of a comfort blanket. It's a little bit like a Foo Fighter song where it's it, it's maybe not my go to. But when I hear it, I go, oh, that's that's nice. A little bit more of that. That, that 90s show, the pacing of it is fine. The tone of it is fine. Again, it's it's not very good but it's also not bad and i i've gone through half the episodes and i'll knock out the the back half later this week it, it's a very fine watch if you have no connection to the original i would not recommend it if you like the original you might as well knock out these 10 episodes that 70 show started in 1998 yeah so, what 98 to 06 i think yeah yeah so good for kirkwood smith good good, good for both of them uh Speaking of a nice, warm, comfort blanket, that's what the week we had last week in Dragon Gate as they had their first appearances in the friendly confines of Kobe Sambo Hall. As well, there was other Dragon Gate news popping up with the with the Elect Corporation along with New Japan presenting the All-Star Junior Festival 2023 coming up in March. And that's what we really have this week. Case, what, what do you want to lead off with? Can we lead off with something that wasn't on our run sheet that I just now thought of, which is SP Kento and Takuma Fujiwara popping up in AAA again? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this because I don't believe, did you watch their most recent outing, which is up on the Open the Voice Gate Twitter account at Open Voice Gate? It's SP Kento and Takuma Fujiwara versus Mr. Iguana and Nino Ambergeza, who they That's who they, that's the only guys they've wrestled in AAA, basically. I did not catch this one, but I did know that this happened because I, other than it being tweeted out on the account, it had an appearance from Nishikawa for the first time in what it feels like a lifetime. Yes, yeah, so Takuma Nishikawa popped up, and then, brother, help me out with this pronunciation of the Michinoku Pro Wrestler. If you could take a shot of the dark on this one. Kukai. Kukai. All right, that's what we're going to go with here. Multiple, pe multiple people that listen to this podcast speak Japanese. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but we're going to go with Kukai for the sake of this podcast. So it's 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 a handheld of what we got. Uh, also on that show, there was a Commander versus Jack Cartwheel match that I'm looking forward to digging into because I'm I'm very into both of those wrestlers right now. But watching this match, it just reaffirmed the idea to me that the money, the big match, dare I say. And I, I realize this is a lofty claim, but I feel like I have been right about the beats of SB Kento's career path since his very first match. The possible Okada Naito of this generation in Dragon Gate, to put a comp on it just so people can understand where my head's at, it is babyface SB Kento versus heel Takuma Fujiwara. This is not a great match. It's fun. I mean, it, it is a perfectly fun televised match it certainly seems like they are building to something big between these two teams I either 
a hair match or some sort of no DQ match. Again, I, I, you know, I don't think anybody understands the, the booking mentality that goes behind AAA, but especially myself, I'm not as plugged in there as I'd like to be. It just feels like this is building to something a little bit bigger, but watching Takuma Fujiwara work as a heel, both in the match, but then especially in the post-match of this when Nishikawa and Kukai run in, oh boy, I, I, He's so likable. He's so young. He's so exciting. I can't wait for Takuma Fujiwara to be a shit-kicking, grinning, just vicious heel because he has that in him, and it is so exciting to watch him work in Mexico where he gets to unlock that a little bit, not to mention the fact that his look is great, that his work has been super strong, that he seems to only be getting better and better there is something with this guy as a heel that I am so incredibly drawn to. And that's coming from a guy who, you know, fought to make sure Fujiwara was included on the SFM 50 this year. I've compared him to Jun Akiyama and Kurt Angle and whoever else you want to throw out there in terms of great rookies of the year. I, I think he is so close and it, whether it's a year from now, five years from now, I don't know. There's something he can unlock with as being a heel that I think is going to be really interesting to watch. And it's going to be really interesting because he's a very youthful looking guy with him as a heel. And it, it, it's something that like I've enjoyed seeing him work as a heel. Like I've not seen this match, but I've seen elsewhere with that. And he he gets it naturally. It, I just think like the thing and the proposition there is it's going to take uh, Fujiwara to, to like physically age a little bit. And that's totally fine. I mean, both of you, we're talking about 20 year olds here. <laughs> like it that that's to be expected it just kind of reminds me of the whole adam cole thing a little bit with him as a heel maybe well, but we'll yeah, see. i mean look I, I i'm with you there because i've always i've always said sp kento is dragon gates adam cole did you see that fujiwara worked a death match a few days ago i did see that yeah it was uh it was a part of big lucha like i guess i don't know if it was like finally the they finally did the hania mask match and that was it or if it was related to that but i, you know, I did I, I couldn't I couldn't find this listed on the Cubs fan site, and that is likely just a case of my stupidity more so than Cubs. You know, it just it's a case of I, I couldn't find what I was looking for, but I am so curious to see if this was filmed, if this makes tape, if it does what this match looks like. And, you know, you and I have always joked about, you know, all Shingo Takagi has ever wanted to do is be at Sushi Onita, and it's gotten Shingo into trouble a few times where he's gotten injured doing FMW revivals and these big death matches that he seems to care about a little bit more than everybody else. There is such great charm with Fujiwara doing this, considering his story, you know, him going to the Michinoku Pro Dojo for his career day in junior high school, being as young as he is, being as active as he is, and just seemingly wanting to soak up everything. I'm glad he did this, and I really hope it makes tape, because although I, I really, I, I'm good for one death match a year, I can bump it up to two. I'll take whatever the hype Big Japan match is, and I will take the Takuma Fujiwara death match. I, I would really like to see that at some point. I, I I don't know what it is about him doing like plunder or death matches, but it makes me think of uh, Suzu Suzuki when she started doing death matches and how it was like a thing that I'm like, they're both from the same region. Is there something in the water there that want that the teenagers of Tohoku want to like beat the crap out of each other with light tubes? Um, I think there, there might just be something in the region with your under 25 wrestlers. I mean, I've been, 
very outspoken about you know there, there's a, a current crop of of big time japanese wrestlers that i'm i'm just not super into you know i think kento miyahara is an incredible talent but i always feel like i've liked him a little bit but uh, a little bit less than everybody else kaito kiyomiya is a wrestler that is capable of having good matches but is never someone i'm really excited to watch wrestle and you know, lumping him in with, you know, Kano and Nakajima and even I'll, I'll throw in Segura, you know, guys that I really like watching, guys that I'm a big fan of. Whenever they're in the ring with Kiyomi, it's like, all right, all right, I, I let me uh, try really hard to focus for 35 minutes because I'm sure the match will be great, but I just don't, I don't have excitement towards it. And even the, the crop of newer New Japan guys, I, I think some of them are very talented. I'm just not as invested in them as I am other people, but there is a crop of, you know, really young wrestlers that I'm excited to watch progress. Basically, you know, anybody that, that really started to develop during the pandemic, I kind of have an asterisk next to just to see how that affects their careers, just to see if, you know, it, they have almost that El Generico syndrome where he worked under a mask, you know, essentially for lack of a better term, a handicap for so long, he had to become so emotive and so expressive. And if you debuted, you know, 2019, 2020, or especially beyond, and you're only used to working one in a in a depleted economy and two in front of clap crowds, five years in the future, now that there finally seems to be some good news about COVID coming out of Japan, are these guys all, you know, a little more developed for where they should be in their career? Are they more charismatic because they've had to work so hard to get a reaction from a clapping fans? Is it something now where it's almost a superpower when they're able to get back in front of a vocal crowd? I, I, I don't know if that'll make sense. I, I don't know if, if you agree with me. It is something that I keep an eye on, though, as the scene continues to develop in hopefully some sort of a post-pandemic universe this year. Yeah, and it's something that, like, just how everything like snaps too. Like, I think I, I think there's like a people expect like the snapback, and that's just not possible. But it, it, it's going to be like interesting because you see people like uh, Fujiwara who and SP Kento for for the most part like go to these international crowds where they are able to, to cheer, and you're just like, oh, this is even more powerful. So, so I do see like. Your super PowerPoint there. I I I totally get where you're coming from there. It just in, in part of it speaks to who Fujiwara is, but it really impressed me when we were watching his first few matches in Mexico when it was him and Estrella and Junta from Pro Wrestling Noah and you know just the most random six mans in, in these Mexican micro indies, and Fujiwara was able to elicit a reaction from the crowd. And the the homegrown luchadors couldn't really do that, and Australia couldn't do that, and Junta couldn't do that, but Fujiwara could. I just thought that was so interesting, and again, that that speaks to his talent, uh, maybe more so than anything else. But once I saw that he was able to do that, the work I've seen SB Kento do, where you know he's he's worked babyface a lot in the states, and then he's worked heel a lot in Mexico. And I, I love that dynamic of it, too. But everywhere he's gone, he's been able to succeed. Like we talked about last week, you know, I spoke to somebody who's pretty involved in independent wrestling a few weeks ago, and they, they want in on the SB Kento business. You know, he has done his job of getting his name out there and getting noticed. And of course, people like you and I, we wish he had 10 times the bookings that he did. We, we wish he was in all of the high profile places, but he has done his job with the opportunities he's been given. And I can't imagine there's anybody uh, in the Drangate camp that is disappointed with his North American excursion. No, no. And it, it definitely seems like 
it each time you can see the confidence and the connection more and more and it's only going to pay off it's just wondering when is it going to pay off with it and when he'll come back to dragon gate uh but let's talk about now since we're kind of talking about like bigger topics let's talk about the 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 sponge guy produce case let, oh let's man god, god bless this. the sponge guy hey i i've run a very scientific poll and i know that the flagship has their awards. I know that uh, the Observer has their awards, but it seems like that people are saying, like, I have I have data stating that the Lek Corporation slash the Sponge Guy is the top promoter in the world, and he has to be given together the fact that on March first, produced by Hiromu Takahashi, an incredible event on New Japan New Japan World Pay Per View, powered by the the Lek Corporation, our friends there. And I, I could run through all the promotion names that are going to be involved, but it's basically everyone within a certain level within Japan. But most notably on this, Dragon Gate Pro Wrestling Japan will be participating in the All-Star Junior Festival. And it's interesting given how uh, this all came about with at least the the, the tweets and like the public-facing stuff about Dragon Gate's participation on this. Y- Yamato kind of uh, called this out and b- before it came together, but it seems like we're going to get a real junior show coming up next month. You know, the Voices of Wrestling Slack had a pretty good discussion of what's the highest level promotion that isn't involved in this show. And the two promotions that we could really think of were Dove Pro and Tenru Project, which that alone... It's like, oh, wow, they're okay, they went really deep on this. And then I thought about it last night. It's a Dove Pro and Tenro project. Who works there? Oh, wait, those are the two promotions that Naoki Tanazaki works in. The the anger that he must be feeling that his two promotions were shut out of the junior show, it must be unbelievable. Yeah, especially when pro wrestling secret base is there. I mean, I feel like that... The I'm glad that... Motosugu, Shimizu, and his friends get to go. Like they, they, they usually hang out, you know, monthly. It's usually like that. But they they get to go to the big stage at Cork and Hall. I can't remember the last time that Secret Base was in Cork and Hall. No, I couldn't believe that because the, I I had just assumed they weren't on the list, and I assumed there had to have been a promotion bigger than Secret Base that wasn't included. And then I saw that they were there. I mean, Mike, you're the 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 number one Secret Base pervert there is. Who are they sending to the show? It will probably be uh, Skyda Jr., I think, who was who a former, like, who is a Toriman Japan wrestler, Skyda Jr. There, there are other Skydas running around, but this is the one that was in Toriman X. I expect that, or maybe Space Galaxy Warrior Andros. You know, the, like the thing oh, about. Oh, yes, the, of, of course. How could I forget Space Galaxy Warrior Andros? Hey, it. it, it with pro wrestling secret base, it, it's about vibes, and I mean, they they could send uh Men's Tejo. Men's Tejo has been running, has been working a whole lot of secret base lately. Could be him. Well, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, they could probably do what like a Kai and Tai DX reunion on that show if they wanted to. I feel like it'd be pretty easy to because you can get uh Kaz. Yeah, you, you could totally do a Kai and Tai del- deluxe reunion there. I, I mean, yeah, that's I'm, probably, I'm not. I'm that's not probably even the closest. I mean, that's not what I would want them to do, but you can get Mint Tejo and you can get Taka and you can, I mean, you can get Dick Togo. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you could probably, I mean, Kaz Hayashi's there. Like, just give him the mask. 
Yeah, there you go. Okay, well, that's uh, that's something to, to earmark. I, I mean, basically the only person that I think you would have to like buy a flight for is Funaki. You can get all five. And just Funaki, I don't know if Funaki works anymore. I, I, I don't even know if he actually trains anymore in San Antonio. Last match for Funaki on cage match, it is Funaki and Leona in a six-man yeah. tag. Uh, uh, can I guess Tokyo Oh, I was going to guess Tokyo Championship Wrestling. It was going to be either that or Tradition. No, a, a Tradition show in Hakata Star Lanes. Uh, wow. Oh, my goodness. I have to dig around and see if this made tape because the third match <laughs> on the show. So this is very clearly Tradition because Leona's pulling double duty. But of course. In the third match on the show, Alexander Otsuka and Leona versus Bear Fukuda a secret base wrestler who trained in Toriyamon X. Yes. In Daisuke Sakamoto. I, I'm I wondering. I'm going to look for this match right now. That screams sold show to me. That that screams three and three quarter stars in Hakata Star Lanes. I'm in mean, case. What, what is the highest ring you ever given to a Bear Fukuda match? Well, I, well okay. I guess... I've seen him wrestle in El Dorado. I, I, you know, I've never seen any secret base footage. I don't remember seeing any footage of him in Mexico. I, but that's a name. That name alone, that gets a quarter star bump for me. That's an all-time great wrestling name. You know who has tweeted about uh, the All-Star Junior Festival 2023? Please say Bear Fukuda. Oh, you know he's retweeted that. You oh, know he's gone. Hell, that, might, that might be the guy. Yeah, yeah. I l- l- let's see what, what uh, uh, Bear Fukuda's got. If he's got anything in a bag of, if it's if he's got a big bag of nothing or not. I'm, I'm right now looking at like the most recent secret base poster. Boy, you you got some choices here. You know what would be great, and this is something we obviously have to talk about in terms of of what this show is going to be. Dragon Gate and Gleet are both going to be represented on this show. It would be so great if I mean I I am assuming that Strong Hearts will be there because they have a relationship with New Japan. If the liaison between Dragon Gate guys and Gleet guys is Bear Fukuda, because he's Toriyamon X, he's Switzerland here, he's neutral, he has no dog in this fight. If for whatever reason they need to communicate, they have to go through him. You know, it's a. Uh... There'll be like a courier core of Bear Fukuda, El Desperado, uh, Dukai, and you know everyone who's basically worked in Mexico will be the the go betweens. But definitely, Bear Fukuda leads the entire fleet. That's that's so embarrassing that I I am having so much fun thinking about that. That that is just to me that is for some reason that is the funniest thing I've thought of in weeks. Like that is so funny to me. <laughs> Case, uh, we can get if you're under the age of 18, you can get into the February 5th uh, secret base show for under 2000 yen. That's like 14 bucks. And I mean, is that in a basement somewhere? Like, I don't, I, I, I where do they run? Uh, usually, is it it's a basement monster. Uh, they will run there, they will run there, but also it's often like places like Chofu, Harfa Hall, Shinkiba. They, they, they run a lot at Shinkiba. So this junior show, it's in Corican, right? Yes, it is. Okay, I didn't realize that until earlier today. I, I just assumed it was Sumo Hall or somewhere a little bit bigger where they could pack the place. And even if, you know, things aren't back to air quotes normal, then 
they could at least, you know, they, they could have a sizable crowd and still have some version of cheering. If it's Corkin and things aren't back to normal, that's going to be a little weird, right? Like they either have to do 750 fans with cheering, or I guess maybe their goal is just to do a classic 1800 in Corkin Hall. Well, they still can't do 1850 still, even if. Well, they I think that go. wouldn't they get up to what, 1600 about? They're about, yeah, yeah, because there still has to be a section for people who want distant seating. It, it, it's something that one would hope that you could sell 1,588 seats. I think that that's the highest number I've seen. But it, Oda City, uh, Tokyo Dome City Hall, like, like there are places there that you could get cheering crowds in there that should draw 1,000 people easy, you know? Like, it, 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 I, I totally get what you're saying about this Cork and Hall kind of appearance there. Unless, I mean, as much as I love Guruk and Mask, who will be a part of this as Ryukyu Dragon Pro Wrestling will be a part of it, I get the apprehension of saying, like, hey, uh, we should probably keep this in Cork. And, but I, I do think that, that there's a lot of venues between Cork and Sumo Hall that they could have done. Yeah, I the the wind got taken out of my sails just a little bit when I realized this show was taking place in Corkin because I just I I don't know I kind of assumed it was going to be in a bigger building and I I don't want this show to happen like I've made my peace with clap crowds long ago I it's nice when there's a cheering show but I I don't care about a show being a clap crowd this one I don't understand why they do it with without you know going pedal to the metal essentially. Yeah, I wonder. And it's something that, like, with the oversight and with the fact that, you know, there's going to be promotion coming into this, like, you think you could opt for the bigger venue with that, too. You made the point right before we started recording, and I think this is something we can we can kind of dive into just for a second. It's the first, to my knowledge, it's the first Drangate New Japan partnership we've seen since Ata and the 2016 Super J Cup. Can you think of one more recently than that? No, I can't. And then before that, it was Ricochet appearances and Best of the Super Juniors. So Yes, like, yeah, bo- both 2013 and 2014, the 2014 version of which Ricochet won, that was Ricochet with Drangate and parentheses next to his name. He was still very much a Drangate wrestler. And then by 2016, when he and Matt Seidel are there for both Super Juniors and Super Junior Tag League, that that is when they were essentially uh, lifted from Drangate, and that's when they were New Japan full time. Right, but it it's something that with Dragon Gate and New Japan, it's never that I've ever heard about any animosity whatsoever. It just was something that for the two companies, it just they just didn't work together. So the fact that they're coming back together uh, seven years later is kind of notable. But it it's something that I guess like with that. And with how this is, and when you have a role of over 20 promotions there, I hope that like over the seven years since that Super J Cup, people haven't forgotten uh, if you're a Dragon Gate-minded fan, uh, whose position is what in this relationship. Oh, I'm sorry. Say that for me one more time. Just make sure I understand. I remember in 2016, and I mean, hey, I thought so too. That it was like, oh, Ata should go far in this tournament. They should yeah. have been, uh, but and, and people getting their hopes up not only for Dragon Gate positioning, but the amount of Dragon Gate on this show. 
Yeah, okay. Th- I, th- that's what I thought you said. I just want to be sure that I, I fully grasp that concept because what what I want to say was very similar to that of, you know, there's going to be an interesting political battle there between Gleet and Drangate and and to our knowledge, because I if you would have heard something if you would have heard something otherwise, I think we would have talked about it by now. You know, there's that that relationship hasn't improved. You know, we talk about Naruki Doi working freelance and how he's still very much family. Kaito Ishida jumping from Drangate to Gleet. Okay, Kaito Ishida no longer in the picture. Kaito Ishida no longer a family. Gleet has that established relationship with New Japan. And I just wonder if this is a situation where Yamato's in a battle royal and Shun Skywalker's in a 10-man tag and that's it. I mean, I think you and I are both very realistic in this. What's your ideal scenario? If you're Drangate and you're approached with this offer, what's the one thing that you want to get across to if there's 1,600 fans at Cork and Hall and maybe only 100 of them have ever attended a Drangate show? What are you doing to get another 100 in the building the next time you're there? Am I allowed to go balls to the wall, or am I working with what I understand to probably be the framework? Give me give me both scenarios. Okay, balls to the wall, I'm just going to melt people's faces. I'm <laughs> going to send out D-Courage out there, dial the leashes off, prove that 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 uh prove that Lenny Leonard story correct you know like, yes. like we're we're gonna do that we're gonna get as young as precise and as innovative people out there you're gonna get one match and just steal the show from that one match that that's what I would do it that if I was given basically Paul's wall like because I know that no matter what this will be viewed as a new Japan show or it will be like oh this show that's supposed to be like this big festival but really a new japan show if if there's an opportunity to do like a pure dragon gate match you're doing a six man you're having deep courage in there probably against vibes and you're going for the face melt that's that's interesting to go with deep courage because as i look at this roster and i start to think okay let, let's let's assume fujiwar is out of it because i think he would be my first pick if i if i'm trying to wow people I start looking at the young guys, and I, you know I like Junior, and I like Kato, and I like Nagano, but I don't trust them in this spot. The name that I trust, I think more than anybody, if I'm just if I'm just looking to come up with a headline out of this show, I think I have to make sure that Diamante's involved. But he's not a Junior. That's the thing. It's like he's legit, like over. I think he's over 100 kilos. Ah. Uh. I don't like that. He well, okay. So he's listed at ninety six on the Drangate website. So, so you could work it. Yeah. No, no, that's good. I, point I don't think Diamante. there's anybody other than Shimizu and Yoshida. I think everybody on this roster is considered a junior to some degree. I mean, maybe Mochizuki and Fuji ben. just because of their stature. And Ben, okay, so you got a few there, but I guess all right. So if you you know if you blow that plan up, then uh, <laughs> I, you know I'm, uh, yeah, then I, I'm with you. I'm probably looking at decourage. But, uh, but going to the realistic framework case. I think like you're hoping that like you get your your former your forward facing people out there, so your Amados, your Yoshiokas, your Shuns, and you you just hope that whatever spot they're in, you can that they can steal the spot and steal the show from there. I, I think that's the logical thing. I worry a little bit about again. I I think that Gleet relationship has to be under consideration and. You know, the, just, you know, getting Yamato or Shun or Yoshioka stuck in a battle royal or just, you know, one of those guys in a random tag match, I think, is is your worst case scenario. And then I also think you have to have your eyes turn towards Ata to some degree and figure out what he's going to do. And on a show like this, 
as odd as this is going to sound, I think I would much rather have Ata doing slumlord, scuzzy, grimy type stuff than him being the representative of Dragon Gate. Does that make sense? Yeah, because, I mean, that's what he's been doing in other companies, you know? Like, like I mean, that is his stick right now. So better have that kind of like, oh, yeah, that's what he does now versus being like someone having like a deflating performance or not being able to be utilized best of their abilities. Completely. Yeah, I, I just he's he's not the face of Dragon Gate anymore or right now, if he ever was, is debatable. But there's so much there's so much dependable talent out there. And Ata is not that. And I, I'm preparing to do a podcast with friend of the show, Alan Forrell, that'll be over on his Pro Wrestling Torch feed. And I, I've gone back and watched some Ata matches recently. We're not doing a podcast on Ata, but we're, we're doing a podcast on a guy that has a lot of history with Ata. And I am so frustrated watching 2014 and 2016 Ata matches and the potential and the talent and the charisma that was there. And just to think that it's it's never fully added up. The the only time in his career that I've gone, that's the guy. That's who I've always wanted him to be was the match where he won the Dreamgate belt against Doyen. Unless something changes in Ata's career, I think that will go down as his single best performance. It's a shame that that happened, you know, on Memorial Gate in Wakayama in August of 2020. Just the darkest possible timeline is when Ata gets his big moment. That, to me, that was everything that I, I feel like Ata should have been. And I just, I don't want to risk that. I don't want him having the Dragon Gate name attached to him as the, you know, I, the sole representative. If it's Yoshioka and Mochizuki Jr. and, and Dragon Dia is there and Kakucha's there or whatever, and Ata's also there, fine. But I worry that it's going to be a situation where it is Ata, the Dragon Gate guy there. And despite his strong showing in Super J Cup 2016, I, I just, you know, the, the companies evolved past that. Think about where Dragon Gate was in 2016. Think about where they are now. They should have a different representative. Yeah, no. And it's something that I would hope with the relationship with the Lek Corporation as strong as it is with the company, if, if uh, Sponge Guy is getting the chance to kind of like book or like be like, oh, get these people, I would hope that he would, I would hope that the, People in the room, I'll rephrase this, this. I would hope the people in the room who have enough familiarity with Dragon Gate would not pick Ata at this point. Like, like that, that, that's the hope. If, if there's only one representative, I would do whatever it is if I was in that room to dissuade them from Ata. Yeah, and, and I, I, don't, I don't worry about it, but I do think it's a possibility we have to explore. But on the whole... I think it's an exciting show. I think I'd be a little bit more into it if it was in a bigger building just because of the variables that Cork and Hall is still kind of dealing with. It's a cool idea. I think we're going to see a lot more of this as New Japan is taking on the responsibility and, and thankfully taking on the responsibility of trying to reboot this wrestling economy after COVID has devastated over the last few years. I, I don't know. Was it Chris Sampsa? that tabulated the total attendance for all of the Japanese promotions this year. Did you see that chart going around? I think that was a Japanese account. I think it was like that PW statistics. Okay. Account. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right e now and PW analysis. So it's interesting, you know, 
I I am still of the belief just because of the numbers they do nationwide and the lack of big shows they run. I I still do think Drangate has a slight edge on Stardom, but I think those those promotions are two and three interchangeably in the country. It is the first time since 2012, mind you, that Drangate has finished third in overall attendance and not second. They've been behind New Japan for a decade, even though that gap between Drangate and New Japan has always been massive. But I mean, you look at 2022 total attendance, New Japan. 217,000. Stardom is in second place with 76,000. And that just goes to show the wide gap that is there between New Japan and everybody else. And so I'm all for this uh, uh, New Japan sort of led interpromotional shows. And as people heard on this podcast, before anywhere else, we talked to Jay a year ago, and he talked about how important the Lek Corporation has been to the state of pro wrestling, the amount of stuff that they've bankrolled, the money they've put into these promotions during COVID. Those are the two people, the sponge guy in New Japan as an entity, are going to be responsible for bringing this industry back to any sort of respectable degree. So I, I, I'm into it from that front. Yeah, so I have a couple thoughts on that. Uh, first and foremost, yeah, I know I make jokes about the sponge guy, but it's all rooted in truth. Like, crucial uh, to the industry. Cannot be stated enough how... What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E3 30. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E3030 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four-month lifespan, two-way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24-7 customer support, and you'll love this, none of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a Smart Lock 330, and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus, it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys, and the two-way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufeofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network important the let corporation is to japanese wrestling right now yeah and, and there can be a greater conversation later date about is this a good thing in the long term probably not probably not but 
yeah, that it, it is something that, especially at least from what I've been able to tell over the years, that like culture, and of course I'm saying this, like, and this is just a random American suppression, but as we've seen like through the Japanese MMA boom and how pro wrestling was before that, it, it's very much like a trickle down kind of thing. And it's something that sometimes the trickle down isn't there as much as everyone expects it to be, but this is a way that the trickle down could actually work. It's not just the idea of, Oh, new Japan's doing these houses. That must be great for the industry. No, because you have that chart to say, look at the Gulf, look at the, the fact there. And that's not a good thing. That's not a, healthy ecosystem but it is something that it that there is some ownership with how that kind of stuff goes and it's good to see that uh the whole like positioning and then like sardom taking number two in that uh i i, I kind of just like this should have happened when, when under bushy road ownership a lot sooner and uh because of the bushy road money machine like that that that's always been like a core thing is, is like w when these conversations come up it's like Shouldn't they be doing better? Yes. Shouldn't they be doing? Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't this have been happening two years before this? And, and like, that's that's where you and I are always at when it comes to the legacy yeah. of Rossio Galwas. It's it's like a football team making the AFC Championship game three years in a row. You go, God, isn't this great? And you go, Well, shouldn't you have? They're kind of the Buffalo Bills. It's like, Well, shouldn't you have won a Super Bowl by now? It's like, What are, what right. are we celebrating yeah. here? You know, I I mean, yeah. the, the gap between Stardom and Drangate is. 7,000 fans and that just comes down to scheduling and the amount of big shows that, yeah, the, the amount of big shows that stardom runs and I, it, you yeah. know it ultimately that that comes down to a personal belief in what you favor from a business perspective i am so much more into hey drangate can do 300 in this small village and 400 here and they can recruit this talent here because wrestling doesn't go here except for drangate and maybe a new japan show every year I think that's a little bit more impressive than doing 3000 in Tokyo, you know, here, here and here throughout the calendar year. But I see the value in the other place right, right now. Again, this, what this is showing us is, Hey, these promotions make up nine and 10% of the fan base in Japan. New Japan makes up 29% of the total attendance. And then everybody else kind of filters in through there. You know, the gap between Drangate and Noah is much larger. They're, they're neck and neck. I think it's, it's ultimately a pointless conversation. If you're looking at it yeah. from bragging rights or from, you know, a Ross Yogawa Hall of Fame perspective, it is something to monitor, though, and something that I, you know, again, hopefully, and I, I, I knock on wood as I say this, we, we've gone through three years of the pandemic in Japan. You know, life in America is back to normal. I always talk about how I feel like for the first year and a half, I was as cautious as anybody. Uh, this past week, I did not wear a mask on public transportation for the first time since 2020. I am I, I am in the process of attempting to move on with my life, and it seems like Japan is finally there as well. I hope we we are able to talk about uh, Japanese wrestling in a healthier state as we you know approach November December of this year, and I hope things look somewhat normal by the end of the year. Yeah, and just like my my, my last point about the uh, chart, and this is a personal thing. I look at any starter number in a large building with a level of suspicion until there's clear reporting that they aren't reporting paper numbers as a part of sentence. And that's something that in all of these charts and we do in these days, you're hoping that you have good information and there's implicit trust there. But the fact that, you know, it, it enters the pool once the fact that like, Oh, massive paper X, Y, and Z, you have to 
then adjust the eye you look at those numbers. And until I hear that from about stardom, about attendance, I'm look at it with suspicion. And I feel like that a lot more people should that than that than do right now. Very much so. Do you want to talk about actual Dragon Gate case? Uh, apparently, I don't even know because I got I got I have had Wi-Fi problems. I don't even know how long we've been recording at this point. Forty six minutes. Great. Forty six. Right, let's minutes. get through these Kobe Sambo Hall shows. That's that's wonderful news. Yeah. So Kobe Sambo Hall, they had their twenty twenty three debut in the friendly hometown confines. They won't be back there in February. They'll be in the Art Center like last year. So they had a double header in Kobe Sambo Hall three forty for the twenty first. 374 attendance on the 22nd both these shows are on the dragon gate network up until the 28th and the 29th uh, case just off the top i i had a feeling i did not have in a long time watching these shows okay well let me talk about attendance before we talk about whatever feelings you had yep. because that that intrigues me because <laughs> uh, I, I i don't know what that means quite frankly i'm sure i'll find out in just a second if you go back to December, the fan appreciation show at the end of the year, that did 585 fans, much in the way that the January Corkin numbers, we've seen a trend of those being down. We always see this December Kobe Sambo Hall show as, a, as the highest attended Kobe Sambo Hall event of the year. This year, the shows do 340 on night one, 374 on night two. If you go back to the one show they did in January of 2021, they did 380, and I think the other shows to look at here, or I'm sorry, that was a that was a 2021. They did 380, and then 2022, they did 296 last year, January of 2022. I think the other interesting number to look at here is the October 15th and 16th double shot last year, where they did two nights in Kobe, just like they did here. The first night of that did 334. The second night did 393. So to compare that to what they did here, 340 up on the first night, 374 down on the second night. A big picture real quick. You know, we spent the last five, six months talking about, okay, Yuki Oshioka is the champion. Business is up in every market. We have to shift that conversation. We have to see what Shun Skywalker looks like as a champion. The two Corkin shows that he headlined were were down, one of which did less than 1,000 fans, which, fair or unfair, I look at that as being a little bit concerning. Uh, but those shows are always a little bit down. We always see a bit of a dip in the January Kobe shows as well. So I am really intrigued for February to see what those numbers look like. Yeah, uh, I think more so than Corkin. The, I, I kind of look that as even in comparison to last year. Yeah, but I, I do yeah, as well. Yeah, it, it, it's something that you can't really judge until February, and it'll be interesting to see it. I, I, I was talking with someone, and I don't know this is true, and this could be something that comes to play. You, you notice that Dragon Gate's always like the first, or if not the first week of a month, it is like the first few days of the next week, right? Yes, always. In, in Cork and Hall. In Cork and Hall. Yeah. I wonder how much of that does with when people get paid. Huh. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because like it's I I mean it's just like basic economics that like that that in society like with like cash flow and paychecks like a, you spend differently when you uh, when you receive your paycheck within like a 2 weeks later when you're waiting on the next one, right? Yeah. I wonder how much of that with the holidays with the new years comes into play with january okay that's very interesting we have a number of people living in japan that listen i would love to know their thoughts on that 
Yeah, yeah. This is what, like, I may be way off base, but it was just like a conversation I had with someone about, like, oh, yeah, no, like, uh, get paid at the first of the month thing. And maybe that is just like me, just like connecting dots in a way that's completely not right. But I just, I wonder. It's either it's the Paul Bosch thing. If it was too sunny out, it was too rainy out, it was too cold out, it was too hot out, people didn't want to buy a ticket. Or you might you might have stumbled on something that that perhaps Gate schedules these shows the way they do for a reason. That's that's an it's something I've never thought about. Yeah, it's just something that just kind of uh, I've, I'm trying to connect the synapses in my head as we're talking. But the feeling I had, Case, about these shows, I'd love to know. I felt like felt like 2018 Kobe Sambo Hall and not the way I wanted. Interesting. All right, I I, I think I liked these shows a little bit more than you. So. Because, you know, I thought there was one great match on the weekend. I did go notebook with one thing. But why don't you run down uh, the first night in full with the results and we can kind of go big picture thoughts on these matches. I, I don't I don't want to break down two full Kobe Samba Hall shows here. Yeah, and like that's the thing when I say like 2018, like I do have a notebook match in each show. It just was getting to like the main event because that was the thing about those Kobe Samba Hall shows. So it just was like, all right. We had to get through all of this because I know the main event's going to be a banger, and then the main event delivers. But let's talk about the first show was on the 21st. It's on the network until the 28th. Uh, opened up with uh, all these uh, preview matches for Rey de Perejas kicking off in Corkin on the 3rd, where teams are teaming up. And the first one was the Antes de Rey de Perejas Especial B. Yamadoi, Yamato, and Naruki Doi teaming up with the Dragons, Dragon Kid, and Dragon Daya. Versus Shun, Skywalker, and Kai, and the Strong Machines, JNF. It was Yamato over F with a with a schoolboy. After that, we had a Royal Sambo singles match between Punch Tomonaga and Konamao Chikawa. Tomonaga won after soccer failed to do a quebrada. They did a big promo uh, before this, basically making it that kind of match. The hottest tag team not in Rey de Parejas is, was in match three. That's right. Roll up or shut up or you're united. Takashi Yoshida and Ho Ho Loon defeated the team with Ginky Horiguchi and, R- and Ryo Fuda. It was Ho Ho Loon getting the direct fall over the hapless Fuda with the Sky f- Sky Render, which is a fisherman Michinoku driver. Then we got into another Antes Rey de Perejas, especial A and B. This is the original M2K pairing of Susumu Mochizuki and Azushi Kanda versus the Kung Fu ma- with the Kung Fu Masters of Jackie Funky Kame. And Jason Lee versus Minorita and Binke of Gold Class and Hyo and Ishin. It was Ben losing to Kamei with a jackknife after an Ishin betrayal. After that, we had a tag team, Shuji Kondo and Eita versus Big Time KZ and Big Boss Shimizu, the Open Twin Gate champions. Shuji Kondo got a direct fall on Big Boss Shimizu with the King Kong Lariat. However, no direct challenge was offered. There'll be something we'll be talking about on the next night as well. The main event of night one, however, was another Antes de, I'm sorry, Antes Rey de Perejas Especial A match. Yuki Yoshioka and Madoka Kakuda teaming with Kota Menor and BB Hulk versus a really intriguing team uh, pairing because it's Misaki Mochizuki with Mochizuki Jr., the Mochizukis, along with Class of 2022, Kaito Nagano and Yoshiki Kato. So, Case, this match was... Mochizuki taking his son and his friends to to go see the local boy band as it was Masaki Mochizuki 
cradling Kakuda after an arm breaker into an inside cradle on the first night. And that was, that was night one in Kobe. And what was your match of the night here? Oh, main event. Main event rolled. I loved main it. Main event was really, really good. Uh, there are a lot of different things to like there. And I, and I think that the thing that I enjoyed the most, before I kick it to you, Mochizuki Jr. is, at, at this point, you know, six months into his career, seven months into his career. I think he's been perfectly booked. I mean, there is not a thing that I would change about his path thus far, almost on like a show-to-show basis. And I, I just think that needs to be mentioned here, where he comes in, May King of Gate show, or maybe it was maybe it was June. I think it was it was one of the two. You know, he's just a young boy outside the ring. Nobody really knows who he is, and he saves Masaki Mochizuki from a Zebrat's attack. Of course, Torimon reunion show coming up soon. He debuts on that show as the son of Masaki Mochizuki, catches everybody by surprise, off to the races from there. And then from there, you know, you have this early saga where they're doing M3K countouts, and you have his dad winning matches and throwing him on the lifeless body. And then you get into this feud with Ishin. And as I pointed out at the time, you know, that feud really seemed to matter in the Tokyo area. We started to see those Korkin numbers jump a little bit, still at a time where they were doing the Mystery Vortex cards. And the only thing that was announced on those August and September Korkin shows was normally a Mochizuki Jr. versus Ishin match, whether it was a singles or a tag or some sort of stipulation. And we talked to people who were going to those shows who were like, yeah, you know, I think that is catching on. I think people are buying a ticket to see the evolution of that feud. You have the Ishin turn. You deal with that for the last half of the year. And now Junior's back. He's not only fighting with M3K, he's fighting with his contemporaries. And I just I just like every move of his along the way. And now you have this deal where he's trying to prove himself. He's trying to get out of his dad's shadows. It happened a little bit quicker than I thought it would, but I'm okay with it. It's just all so good, and it's backed up by a beautiful bridging German suplex and the fact that he's just a damn good pro wrestler. Yeah, that's the thing that always gets it with me is every single time they put a Mochizuki Jr. into a situation where a rookie wrestler who is 20 you would think that they would get flustered that they would have to like get back their composure what have you he knocks out of the park every time case like this is a kid that has like ice waters through the vein is kind of a tire trope but it applies here and it's something that they are building him and they're building him in a way that i think is what should be a blueprint for how to treat dragon gate wrestlers going on to the next era and it's something we saw with dragon dia but it was more subtext whereas with mochizuki jr we have it like like, oh he literally is the son of misaki mochizuki and you're able to play off that to get him endeared to the crowds where where you do have ishinahashi versus him as a uh, box office feud and it's something that has worked beat by beat and i think that this is actually like the perfect time for this because it's something where we had the M3K run. We had OK, the the, the uh, peer storyline of Ishin. It's about time to, to to have him grow up a little bit. And I like the fact that he's like kind of taking the ball and run with it. It it played into this main event here where it was Junior taking all the heat, waving off the help, and then it plays out so beautifully now that you build up everyone for so long because Junior wants to fight everyone else off. And then you make the Mochizuki hot tag, and it was magnificent. 
Yeah, I, he's, he's doing such good work. And, you know, as you were talking, I kind of realized there's another layer to this of, you know, look, yes, Mochizuki Jr. is a Triangle Gate champion, but he wasn't exactly dominant during that reign. You've got Kato and Nagano out here winning matches, and they've had shorter careers than Jr. So he, despite his name value, despite the star power that he might bring, he is behind the eight ball in terms of victories uh, with his contemporaries. And I, I, I just think all of this is super compelling and super well done. And this was a match I went uh, three and three quarters on this. I, I believe you went four. Just a great main event. Yeah, no, I swore flat on it. It was something where we even got to see Kato's smoothing things out a little bit. Like there are certain things I think will just come with time with him, but a lot of like he was he was less jerky, I noticed. And that was really cool. Nagano showing some personality with it, and it just was just like a magical match. It was a whole lot of fun. And then in comparison to the rest of the night, I didn't have anything above three and a quarter up until that main event. I went three and a half on both the opener and then the eight man, the other preview match that had the uh, M3K and natural vibes versus gold class and Zebrats. And with that match in particular, I really liked the match structure of gold class. Essentially, they not only had to fight off M3K and natural vibes, they had to fight off Zebrats as well. And I, I think Ben K and Minorita, like I said, you know, if I was coach Minora, I would have felt so great about my career up until Kobe World of last year, and then you also have this ad layer now where he can't even rebound because Ben K might have better chemistry with Minorita than Minora ever did. And so I'm just, I'm so curious to see how all of that plays out. But I, I really liked the three Ray De Porajas preview matches on this show. The opener just didn't get across that line for me. Like I was three and a quarter on the one with Zebrats and Ben Rita. I thought it, it, I just was a shade off of you. This it was something that the opener for me. It did. It just was. It felt like it did not get out of that gear that I was hoping to. Like for some reason, I felt like Naruki Doi was not in this match whatsoever. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny notable. because I kind of liked Doi in this match because he had a sequence with Shun, where it's like, oh, you don't don't feel like I've seen a lot of Shun versus Doi in my life. And son of a bitch, they have good chemistry with one another. Yeah, I, I guess uh, like it was just something for me with the with this weekend in the shows because like I should like that match a lot more than I did. I, I also I, really I, I got really into the Dia versus Shun stuff. They started off the match with one another, and then everybody kind of went through their progressions with whoever they were paired off against, and they circled back to it about midway through the match. And it was it, it was one of those deals where I kind of circled that as now we're in the new year. I started thinking about King of Gate possibilities, and. Shun versus Daya is kind of one of those matches they haven't done, and I'm kind of waiting for them to do it now. Yeah, and you'd think that that would have been like one of the first things they would visit with uh, Daya coming back unmasked, like in Shun's heel turn. You'd think they would revisit that betrayal, but they really haven't. So Ho hopefully, that, that, hopefully by something. now everybody realizes that my favorite show of the year is always going to be the May King of Gate show in Cork and Hall, <laughs> and. It doesn't need a headline. It needs to go on second to last. If we could just pencil in Shun versus Daya on that show, that is when I want that match to happen. Oh, yeah. No, like that's it. it second from the top. It, old school style, this would be the match you come back from intermission on. You know? Do you think they'll put Mochizuki in King of Gate this year? That's a good question. Like, God. 
Because the, la- the that- last one that he worked was 2020. It was the empty arena, and he lost to Cosmo Sakamoto in the first round. And I kind of I remember people being bent out of shape by that. And it was the people that like kind of gave up after the OWE split. And it was like, no, 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 you don't understand. That's one, not a shocking result at all. And two, Cosmo's a very good wrestler. This is a finger off the off the pulse moment for you. Yeah, it, it's something that like, and, and with 2020, he was working more Noah because also he was the J- GHC tag champion with Marafuji, part of that. So you had that going on with that. I just, this would be the year that I feel like would be like the real tell, you know, if he's going to be back in it or not, I feel like. Just because like he's not doing anything in Noah right now. Like he's really not doing anything in Noah. So why would you? be afraid of booking him when he's bouncing schedules now no i made the note over in the voices of wrestling match of the year poll when i was i voted for mochizuki versus yoshioka there and i i made the note you know i've been voting in that poll since 2014 and 2014 through 2019 i had a masaki mochizuki match in my top 10 2020 and 2021 i did not and that's because the the bulk of his big matches took place in pro wrestling noah and there, there's a few there that i love i mean there's a mochizuki versus goshi ozaki match that i i had on the bubble at one point i think that was 2020 but that n one victory yes match. yeah it was great yeah but you're you're i mean the focus is back on him and drangate which is is so nice i mean i don't mind him and noah but it, it did start to bum me out that that is where he was getting his big opportunities yeah, it's just something that, like, I feel like that there is actually, like, legit, like, now we have that discussion. Like, I think it's 50-50 at this point. Yeah, so that is, I, I only ask because I don't know if that's where you do the first Masaki Mochizuki versus Mochizuki Jr. match. And, you know, again, as I think about that Corkin show, that's that's the place to do it. You know, that probably sells some tickets by itself right there. And you do it early on the card. Dad wins. You continue to tell that story. That's the only reason I would have him in other than, you know, he's Masaki Mochizuki. No, no, I, I totally agree with you with that, especially with where that storyline should be at. Like May is like the perfect time for that as well. Uh, did you have any other big thoughts on the uh, 21st Corkin or not Corkin, Kobe Sumbo Hall show? I thought it was a very fine show. I really liked the Ray Day Barajas preview matches. I would watch those if you're looking for recommendations here, but uh, no, I'm ready to move on to night two. All right, so I'm going to do the same thing for night two. Uh, again, this was on. This will be on the network until the 29th, then it's 374. Opener was D-Courage versus Kung Fu Masters with Kakuda pinning uh, Ho-Ho Loon with a Western Lariat. Match two was a, a Brookies match as it was Kaito Nagano and Yoshiki Kato versus Minorita and Ryo Fuda. Kato won with his modified Bloodfall. Konamao Ichikawa had another singles match. This time it was against Hyo. And Stalker was painted all up like a panther, you know, riffing off of uh, Hyo's uh, name. And then they did basically do a whole bunch of bits around the Neko Damashi until uh, eventually Hyo gets the one at the Neko Damashi. It was a lot of talking before that, too. Match four, Ginky Horikuchi and Punch Tomonaga lost to Sachioko Boy and Takashi Yoshida when Tomonaga ate a powerbomb. Match five. M3K, Susumu Mochizuki, Azushi, Kanda, Mochizuki Jr. I guess Mochi had a, another booking on that day. Versus Dragon Kid, Shuji, Kondo, and Kagatora. It was uh, Mochizuki Jr. submitting to the Gorilla Clutch of Kondo. Semi-main event, my new favorite tag team. Yamato and Don Fuji defeat Big Boss Shimizu and Strong Machine J with Yamato getting a direct fall 
on Big Boss Shimizu with the Frankensteiner of the Almighty. There could be a lot of Twin Gate challenges coming up real soon. And then the main event was for the Open the Triangle Gate Championship. It was Zebrats, the champion team, Shun Skywalker, Kai, and Ishin versus the challenging team of Gold Class, Kota Minora, Benkei, and BB Hulk. BB Hulk got the win over Kai with a first flash after a long finisher rush that started when uh, Gold Class and Minorita prevented Zebrats interference, powder attack, and then everyone hit every big finisher on Kai before the first flash to win. Can we start with the Yamato and Don Fuji tag match on this show? Yes, please do. Uh, match of the weekend. Uh, really? Oh, I love this. Okay, all right. Like, like sincerely loved it. I, I like the Triangle Gate match a little bit more. I went notebook on the Triangle Gate match. We'll go back to that. Do not skip and do not sleep on Don Fuji and Yamato versus Big Boss Shimizu and Strong Machine J. This match was so good, and I'm so glad you feel the same way. Yeah, this is just like... I Case, you know, if you were to book a Dragon Gate show to get me out of a funk, I know you would put Yamato and Don Fuji in the same match together, right? Like, it's it, it, it's Ambrosia, essentially. Yes. And them teaming, oh boy, that's even more fun because they don't like each other and they are cranky. And yeah, uh, getting a direct win over Shimizu. So Shimizu has been dropping a lot of falls and one would think that that would set up a champion gate match, but they have like a title match in MLW, so they're not going to announce that until then. But Case, my big question is, do you think Strong Machine J and Yamato got a thing? Because I feel like those two have some excellent chemistry that we got to see in this match. They have excellent chemistry. Strong Machine J and Don Fuji have excellent chemistry. Strong Machine J is just really becoming the ideal mid-card wrestler. That might sound like a backhanded compliment. I, I really don't mean it as such. He is providing life in the middle of these shows. I don't think he's at that point yet, nor do I know if he'll ever be at that point where that is a main event guy that I can turn to on a Cork and Hall show to depend on a great performance. But I know match four, match five, I, I can pass the ball to Strong Machine J and he's going to make the shot here. I, this match it was 13 minutes long and it just was so fluid from start to finish. The pacing of this match, so good. This was, I mean, you know, I, I, I say this all the time, you know, if this match happened on Dynamite, I think it would be the match of the week for a lot of people. If this match happened on Raw, you know, I, I think people would explode. They wouldn't know what to do with themselves. Here, you know, I was like, ah, great match. On to the next one. It, it, it just goes to show the level of talent in this promotion and the high in-ring standard that they have. Because just from a, a raw wrestling standpoint, this was so good. Yeah, this is my Dragon Gate match of the year, excluding the Dreamgate match so far. <laughs> but we're also like seven shows in. So, but uh, Case, if this match happened on Dynamite, not only would the crowd explode, because this is the kind of style that especially Yamato and Don Fuji throwing chairs that the crowd would get into, I fully expect that by 11.30 Eastern Standard Time, there'll be a graphic that come across on Twitter. And Case, you know what that graphic says? What's that? It says Don Fuji is all elite. <laughs> yeah, that is a uh, <laughs> oh God. I, I I hope to live in a world one day where I can tell my grandchildren I, I mean, about how Don Fuji is hashtag all elite. <laughs> I I I mean, first off, we we would have to explain to him how the trains aren't very good here, and that'll disappoint him. But yeah, I feel like it's a possibility. 
I, lovely human being. I, I really think Yamato is going to thrive this year. Th- this is very much a buy low, sell high year for Yamato. You know, if you're doing SFM 50, if you're voting most outstanding wrestler, if you're just like keeping tabs on who's having a very good year, don't lose sight of Yamato and all of the madness. He's going to be in America. He's going to be working. Again, hopefully he spends the entire year working with Don Fuji and working with Shuji Kondo and working with Masaki Mochizuki and these guys that are older that don't have these units anymore. I hope he stays in this bubble because we've never seen Yamato do this. You know, we know what grumpy Don Fuji looks like. We can see him beat up rookies and we'll enjoy it every single time. We don't really have that from Yamato. And I think that's so interesting. I hope this entire year is devoted to stuff like that. Because this match, I mean, I mean, I'll lump Strong Machine J in there as a youngster still with the way that he's treated on the roster. Seeing Yamato just beat the shit out of him was excellent stuff. It's just the kind of thing that you put Yamato and Don Fuji in the ring together, I'm going to have a good time, and this was good times, just all over it. And I just, like, I am really intrigued by what's going to happen in the Twin Gate situation now. Because... Eitan Kondo, and then now Yamato and Don Fuji, not normal teams, are getting direct wins over the champion. And maybe some of them are a little bit flashy, but it's something that it's notable that uh, big time have people. I think there's a lot of like challengers that can come out of this. Do you think we can maybe see like three or four way at Champion Gate? I, I think that's likely. You know, that's never, never what I hope they do, but it's something I can't really deny. Yeah, that's just like the overall like feeling I'm starting to get coming out of that. Uh, well, the main event, the Triangle Gate uh, match, uh, you were notebook. I was three and three quarters on it. Uh, the, this was something that I really, really appreciated how they were willing to just beat the crap out of Kodama and Nora and just focus on that just so that you would have that right into like some awesome hot tags. And then Gold Class... They are the breakfast club of pro wrestling. They're a whole bunch of weirdos, but now they all have gold. A lot of BB Hulk in this match, more than I was expecting. And, and I think I think they're doing the right thing here. You know, Hulk turns face, give him a little bit of momentum. I, I certainly don't expect this to be a long reign. I'm, I'm not sure it lasts past Champion Gate, and I certainly don't think they're champions going into Kobe World. Let them get the win. Hulk shines a little bit. This this team has some chemistry. You know, I enjoyed this Triangle Gate match, uh, you know, Ben and Menorah and Hulk all together. It's odd. I don't, I, like, to me, BB Hulk doesn't fully feel like he's in gold class yet. Where, where are you at with your satisfactory of, of him in this unit? Uh, well, I have one thing that really bothers me, Kevin, okay. first and foremost. Okay, go ahead. I, I... I was able to put up with the t-shirt and the Spartan skirt Thank you. when he was yep, a heel. Absolutely. But I know that he is like not the youngest guy. I know like this thing, but to me, and this is like my one like cranky dragon system thing. If you're a baby face, you, you shouldn't be wrestling in a t-shirt. Like the heels are like the sleaze lords. They have the t-shirts on. They're the ones that grabbing it up. But like Hulk, like I, it, it, it's something that I, I, it's a personal thing that I think his looks awful and it doesn't change much with him turning face in, unless he's putting back on pants and wrestling without a t-shirt. The shirt does not bother me. The skirt at this point absolutely does. Let's get him some shiny pants and go back to classic BB Hulk. 
did he already auction off all of his silver <laughs> and gold pants? Like, that's all he wrestled in essentially for, like, all but two years of his career. I, I'm, I'm watching a BB Hulk match on my TV right now where he's wearing some, some shiny silver pants that I would love for him to bust out again. He'd need a bigger size, but this is what I want him wearing. Yeah, but, like, it, it's something that, like, as you were saying, like, this is exactly, like, when I said, like, when Hulk turned, I said, like, yeah, you, you have, like, the last face run that matters now. And it's something where he will get, he'll be the third and the second on Triangle and Twin Teams. And this is the right way to start off the year for high, uh, for gold class. They're coming into, they all have championships. They have the Triangle Gate now. And it's something, also, the way, I feel like it did a great job of tying up the, uh, BB Hulk storyline of Kai and everything with Z Brats with this match. Like, I know it's going to probably, they'll probably still have at least like a, a an appearance around the loop. Like, I expect it to go on for like another month, but this was like satisfactory for me in the way of finishing off that storyline. I'm really intrigued by the fact that Kai took the pen and not Ishan. And I, I look at that as a good thing of, okay, we're not going to go back and do some Hulk and Kai thing that. I just I I'm not going to care about it. You know, this was this was Hulk pretty not definitively beating Kai, but beating him in a pretty solid way. And I I like to see that. So again, I went four stars on this. I, I thought the finishing stretch was super hot. Two great matches to close out this show on an undercard that I you know it it had its ups and downs. The the Set Shoko Boy and Takashi Yoshida versus Genki Horiguchi and Punch Tamanaga match. That went 12 minutes, and that was that was a pretty excruciating 12 minutes. Yeah, that was bad. Like, that was straight up, like, not a good match. It was bad. Yeah, that's, that, that's tough stuff. Along. But, uh... Yeah, and... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say that there, there was some fun stuff, though. Like, I like the M3K versus DK, Kondo, and Kagatora match. Like, I enjoy... Whenever Kondo and Kagatora... No, Kondo and Kid are involved i find that kind of fun and then i like the, the closing stretch with kondo and mochizuki jr especially with the gorilla clutch well you know i i noted in in my notes here i gotta give credit to kagatora he was feisty in that match he made his presence felt and i i kind of worried and i, I expressed this a little bit last week of kagatora is just gonna work in all these six-man tags and he's gonna be the sixth most interesting guy and i didn't think that was the case here he he got in there he beat up mochizuki jr he looked good doing it yeah, and it's something that uh, with him, like he is now like back in that role where like maybe it is something that he gets a little bit more juice in it with when he's facing the juniors. I just, yeah, Kakatora is still, still around and at least he still has his good ring gear. Other thing I want to talk about on this show, my, my last thought here, Kaito Nagano and Yoshiki Kato versus Minorita and Ryofuda. What do you think of this? I enjoyed it. I this was really where I was like, "Oh, Kato has made the steps forward." And I, I thought it was like a nice thing. So, in the open when it was the usually like Nagano goes for the head scissors and then he does his taunt. Uh I don't know if there was like some mixed signals or it's just like rolling out like there was a good recovery there that I didn't feel like would have happened a couple months ago. Uh that head scissor. Yeah, I I I think that's there's uh, certainly truth to that. I I once again, I thought Fuda looked really good. You know, Genki had a bad weekend. Genki had two bad matches, and he was teaming with Fuda on the first night. This was another another one of those matches where I just go, you know, he's just he's just wrong place, wrong time. Again, put him in Noah, and people are salivating at the potential of this guy. This is a good pro wrestler who could be great, 
and he's just he is just smack dab in the midst of this insane talent barrage that is coming throughout the Dragon Gate Dojo. And there's more on the way. There is more yep. on the way. I got to talk to you about that's I, I got to talk to you about something. Did you watch the um the This Is Dragon Gate documentary that aired on Gaiora? No, I've not checked that out yet. Uh, I it, it reminded me of the the Big Six DVD of the clips I saw though. Yeah, I, I really I, there was a Japanese Twitter account that was kind of given a play by play of it, so I could follow some stuff. I would really like for somebody to like you know this is selfish, but to to kind of translate that just a little bit, or at least at least hit the high spots, so I could follow what's going on. But I had it on, just kind of skimming through it, and I I wanted to note to you. You know, at the very end, they have a bunch of dojo footage and there is some footage of Yamato training with these guys. And and, and Kagatora is in all of the training clips, which I thought was interesting because we never really his, hear his name thrown out there of guys being in the dojo. You know, we, we have an idea generally of, of the day to day operations and who's running it in the dojo. We know from prior generations, you know, the, the Shima training, the Akira Tozawa training, the Dragon Kid training. Never really hear Kagatora's name, but he's in all those clips. But they feature some dojo kids that I had never seen before. And this documentary, it looks like the bulk of it was filmed uh, late Q3, early Q4 of 2022. And they specifically highlight this Ryoya Tanaka kid. Is that is that a name you're familiar with? Ryoya Tanaka. I, I've not seen that name pop up before. Yeah, I I mean maybe maybe it's just a dress down Yeah, I I I'm I'm looking at him again cuz I want to be sure that it's not you know one of these future kids that we're aware of that has just has changed his look a little bit. He cuz he looks a little bit like Kato but he's not as big. So I just I I had to look at him closely again just to make sure that I'm not I'm not sounding like an idiot here. They feature this kid in the documentary. Which just makes me go, okay, well, what what is his story? What do I need to know here? Because that seems very odd in a documentary that covers, you know, Dragon Kid and Dragon Daya and Yoshioka and Coach Minora. Hey, also, there's this kid that hasn't debuted yet. Pay attention to him. Yeah, that's interesting. It makes it makes you wonder about that because because as we've seen, like a lot of people have an interesting story that Dragon Gate uh, will utilize and it'll, it'll be interesting to see if if one if he's still around and two if he debuts seeing like what what his deal is because that that is kind of fascinating that they would choose a trainee versus like mochizuki jr you know yeah, i i thought it was super interesting so you know keep an eye out for that name again i, I know nothing here it's a it's an hour-long gaiora documentary that's in japanese i i could not understand any of it but i just kind of I flipped through. I want to see the B-roll. I, you know, I, I always like video footage of the dojo whenever they have it. And then all of a sudden they're doing like trainee empty arena matches in Kobe Sambo Hall. And they give this kid a graphic and a, it, you know, he gets a little sit down feature and it's like, oh, I, I don't know who this kid is, but I feel like I need to pay attention now. So I, I wanted to note that real quick. Yeah. So you can tag this episode of Voice Gate when Rio uh, uh, Tanaka becomes a five time Open the Dreamgate champion. You can go back and roll back the tape case. You know, the other thing, my, my last one on these Kobe Sambo Hall shows, and it, it goes back to this rookie tag match. Yoshiki Kanto hits the blood fall on Ryofuda. And I don't know if it jumped out to you, 
But the way Kato celebrated the win, he pops up from this pinfall and runs to the second rope, kind of with the same energy of like when a UFC fighter scores a big knockout and they climb the cage. It was the same exact thing. And it it jumped through the screen for me for some reason. Like I couldn't believe what I was watching. This young guy who's just so charismatic. Yeah, it's something like that. Like he's like jumping up on the, the turnbuckle and you see like everyone else. And, and then like Nagano is like, I guess I should celebrate too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, good, good stuff there. You know, I, I, again, I, I think you got to watch those last two matches. And, and while you're here, you might as well watch the rookie tag as well. Yeah, I mean, I always try to like whenever someone's like, what should I watch? Like always check out the rookie stuff now, especially given the last few years. But that was it for Dragon Gate and Kobe Asambo Hall. They're off the network until uh, February 3rd, the uh, opening night of Ray de Parejas. They have other shows this weekend, but it's all going to be in the lead up to the shows. Other stuff that's happened across the week. They had a whole bunch of homecoming shows. Uh, Hio had his homecoming and uh, Aichi and then or Toyahashi and Aichi and then as well uh they had a Nagoya homecoming where UT made an appearance and uh was manning the merch stand and I don't know if you saw this tweet case but uh Susumu made sure to point out that UT's mom was there buying more Susumu face masks fantastic yeah I, and apparently like I've been uh, like following uh a little bit on while we've been recording case have you seen like the, the 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 dragon gate bus drama that's been happening they're like stuck in snow right yeah like the the bus so they had that show in in nagoya yesterday and or like a lot this morning i guess and they it's a huge blizzard and people who have traveled separately from dragon gate are already back home like don fuji's home apparently and it's like tweeting at people going like oh how's the ride going he's like oh i'm home it's great. It's a fun thing to follow on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, but I think that's going to do it for this episode, Case, unless you had anything else. No, that's all I got. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on Open the Voice Gate. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Case is at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Uh, the, the best way to support Open the Voice Gate, if you want to, is to go on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and rate and review us it's the best way that people find podcasts but that's going to do it for us this time we'll be back with you next episode talk to you more about Rey de Parejas we're getting close guys the tournament's upon us I'm looking forward to it yeah and we'll be back there talking all about it so that's going to do it Uh, we'll be back next time take care cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res that's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Noah. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Available on all of your favorite podcast apps.